Well, again, good morning. How are we doing, church? So it's been so long since I've preached. Um, the last time any of you probably heard me preach, I had hair. Um, that's how long Pastor Nathan trusted me to preach. Um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, and we're going to be towards the end, and we're going to begin in verse 53. So as you turn there, um, I was up late last night. Um, I could lie and say I was finishing up this sermon, but uh, I was watching the Buffalo Bills versus New England Patriots, and uh, it was a fun game to watch, but I noticed it, the real feel there was negative six degrees, and there were fans with no jacket on, just swinging towels, going crazy, and I thought, man, if they can be out there for a football game at negative six degrees, we can make it to church in Florida on a cold, rainy morning. Uh, amen, right? <laughs> so, but in all seriousness, I'm glad you're here. Glad we all made it in the weather. And so I'm going to begin reading for you in verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another, not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servants girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You are also with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Man, so when Pastor Nathan is out of town, he loves to give me like 20-some-odd verses, um, it seems like. Um, but just uh, to maybe just refresh or get the context a little bit of where we're at, he did a great job last week where he talked about the, the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. And there's um, a lot going on here, but... Before we um, get to where we're really going to get our application today, um, 
I'd just like to briefly touch on this um, uh, trial. I say trial with quotation marks. Pastor Nathan, um, he loves to call it a kangaroo court. Um, so this is a trial that should have never happened. And uh, just a few interesting things about this is um, per Jewish law, it was completely illegal to have a trial at night. It still is to this day. In fact, in recorded Jewish history, this is the only trial that has ever taken place at night, ever, because it's illegal. Another interesting thing is that it's illegal to have this trial um, on a holiday or on the eve of a holiday, which we know from what Pastor Nathan taught us last week, uh, this was the Passover. So again, strike two illegal. And what's even uh, more uh, worrisome about this is that uh, our text says that after Jesus said, I am the son of the blessed, it says they condemned him, which means they pretty much convicted him. But again, per Jewish law, there had to be a minimum of two eyewitness accounts, and they had to agree with each other. And if you remember in the passage we just read, it said their testimony did not agree. So in their desire to condemn and capture Jesus out of their own self-righteousness and their own corruption, they're breaking their own judiciary laws by even arresting him and having a trial. It's uh, quite interesting. But uh, in our passage, if you look, it begins with Peter, and it actually ends with Peter, sandwiched in between all of those verses. So we're going to look at Peter today and get some great application of what this scripture has for us. And so... Again, just to set the context, um, Peter, not 30 verses prior in this chapter, had told Jesus, though the other 11 will scatter and leave you, I will not. Not me. Never, ever, ever. I'm by your side no matter what. Even if the other 11 disciples, I'm somehow more loyal than them, I won't abandon you. And then we go a little bit further, and the moment that Jesus is arrested, we don't see it in the Gospel of Mark. But this is recorded in other gospels, such as Luke and John. It actually, uh, we learn that Peter is the one who draws out his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest because he's opposing Jesus' arrest so strongly. So all things considered so far, he's probably the top two or three disciple, right? He seems like he's following pretty well. He's actually opposing with violence. So we would say Peter is following Jesus very closely. He's very devout to him. But... Unfortunately, if we just go a couple verses into our text today, we see that that is not so much the case. So here's what verse 54 says. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. Now, that's interesting. Why do you think he was following him at a distance? Well, if this was an uh, action movie, maybe like Rambo or something, uh, you know, people get captured and you follow at a distance so that you can find out where they're taken you can rescue him. The hero saves the day. This is not at all what Peter's doing. He is following at a distance for a completely different reason. Um, and we're going to look at that. And, and Peter's reason actually line up with many reasons today why people in our culture that claim to be Christians, that profess Christ, actually follow at a distance. And so here's a few reasons. Number one, Following at a distance, you get the best of both worlds. You get to have your cake and you get to eat it too. You get to be close enough to Jesus where you get all the benefits, all the rewards. You get to feel good about yourself. I went to church even when it was raining. But then when times get hard, we 
have just enough of a gap to where we say, no, I wasn't really following him. I don't even really know him, right? We get to have the best of both worlds. And the second thing that following at a distance does is it leads us to a false understanding of the gospel. When we're not following Jesus closely, it makes us very prone in a dangerous way to believe anything that any preacher will say. And I don't know if you know this, Pastor Nathan touched on it a bit last week, but um, there's some preachers out there that want to tell you your best life is right now. And this isn't me saying it, this is the Bible. If your best life is your best life now, then that probably means that you're not going to end up in heaven because our best life doesn't happen this side of heaven. It happens when we are restored and made whole with God. And the third thing that following at a distance does is it dims us or makes us unaware of sin in our own lives. We don't really acknowledge it. We don't really see it because we've got this nice comfortable gap between, dis between Jesus, a nice distance, and we're not really convicted or aware of our own sin, and that leads us to forgetting that we even needed a Savior in the first place. And so let me summarize all of those things, what following at a distance gets you. Here's a great way to sum it up is it makes Jesus a convenience. It's convenient to follow Jesus when I don't have anything else to do on Sunday, if the weather's nice, uh, when I need something, right? As long as it's convenient, I'll follow Jesus. We've got that nice little cushion between us and Jesus. And unfortunately, what the Bible says about that is that that is a broad road that many people are on, and that broad road leads to destruction. And so let's look at what it got Peter. Peter, it says he's following at a distance, and so let's just look briefly at him denying Jesus the three times. So the first time, they come up to him and say, hey, aren't you Peter? Weren't you with Jesus? And he nonchalantly says, Jesus? I've never heard of him. You've got me confused with somebody else, right? You must be thinking of somebody else. I'm just trying to get warm by the fire. Maybe he's making s'mores or something. We don't know. It's not revealed to us in Scripture. But he just very brushes it off like it's not a big deal that he knew Jesus. And then the second time, the, the, it says the woman, the servant, comes up to him. And this time he digs his heels in the dirt a little bit. And he flat out lies. He says, no, that was not me. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know Jesus. You must have me confused. He's just way more firm about it this time. And so the third time, I think Peter might be getting a little annoyed, a little ticked off. So they come up to him and say, no, we know it. You're a Galilean. You are with Jesus. Stop lying. And he, in a fit of rage, invokes a curse on himself. And what he is saying is, cursed be me if I'm lying. I don't know Jesus. I wasn't with him. And so you know what that means? And, and today it would say, cross my heart, hope to die. I swear on my mom's grave that wasn't me. That's what Peter was saying. And he was lying about it, by the way. And so, it's interesting. I told you just a few moments ago, Peter was cutting off people's ear. He was telling Jesus, even if the other people abandon you, not me, I'm loyal to the end. But then, when everything went down, he was at a comfortable distance. And not only was the distance comfortable, but it says he was sitting by the fire. He not only didn't want to be persecuted, but he wanted to be nice and cozy, right? Interesting. But how did we get here? How did Peter go from seemingly being such a devout disciple and follower of Jesus to somebody who is willing to curse himself when he knows he's wrong? Well, the answer is at the beginning of the text in verse 54. 
he was following Jesus at a distance. And what's interesting is that Jesus has some words. This is in Matthew 7 for people that follow at a distance. Here's what Jesus says. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. You know what he's saying? You were following me at such a distance, I don't even know who you are. And that is the most frightening thing to me, to think that you're going to heaven and you stand before God and Jesus says, I don't know who you are because we dimmed our conscience just enough to go to church on Sunday, but we wanted to have our cake and eat it too and not really follow Jesus closely. It's frightening. But we ask ourselves, okay, we see Peter following at a distance. We see what it looks like in our lives. How do we follow Jesus closely, or what does it look like? What benefit do I get from following Jesus closely? And the points I gave you earlier, it's actually just the counter. Instead of understanding or being prone to believing a false gospel, we have a true understanding of a biblical gospel. We understand that this Bible is all about Jesus and not about us. It's not about us being healthy. It's not about us being wealthy. It's about God's rescue plan to rescue sinners that deserve death. We have a biblical understanding of the gospel. The second is, instead of kind of turning our heads and the, the sins over in the corner over here and we just don't want to look at it, it's right before our eyes. We can't run from it. We can't hide it. And even when we do sin... We're aware of it, and we're convicted by it. We're able to repent. We know that it's wrong. Even though we do it, we at least have the awareness of it because we're following Jesus closely. And the third is we go from denying Jesus, such as Peter did, to denying ourselves, which is what Jesus commanded us to, deny ourselves. And so if I were to end it today for you guys, you might say, okay, well, Peter wept. Uh, that, that's how our verses end. It says he wept. You know what he was doing? He had that like ugly cry where <gasps> you can't breathe and there's snot all over his face and he's just weeping. He is broken down. That's what was happening to Peter. He was completely crushed when he came to realize that he was following Jesus just for convenience and following at a distance. And that might be a bad way to end, but for us, we're going to keep looking. What happened to Peter? Did What happened? So if you uh, want to write this down or jot it down, we actually see it's not recorded in Mark. If you look in Mark, we just move on to the trial where Jesus is turned over to the Romans. But in John chapter 21, Jesus and his disciples are out fishing. Jesus has been dead. They don't know he's been raised up yet. They're out fishing, and they see a man on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus yet. And he says, hey, have you caught any fish? And they said, no, we haven't caught any. So he says, well, throw your net on the right side of your boat. They throw the net over, and it says they had so many fish they could not even pull the net on their boat. It's just like when Jesus recruited them, right? It's almost like a direct parallel. And so finally, one of the disciples says, it's Jesus, it's the Lord on the shore. So Peter, like a madman, jumps headfirst overboard and begins swimming like he was in a triathlon or something. He can't get to the shore fast enough. And then here's what happens. As they're eating breakfast together, Peter and Jesus have a conversation. And here's what Jesus asks him. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter at first says, yes, Lord, I love you. So he asked him a second time. He said, Peter, do you really love me? And he says, yes, Lord, I, I love you. So Jesus asked him a third time. He says, Simon Peter. So for me, that was like when I was in trouble as a kid. It wasn't John, it's John Thomas, like your first middle name. 
when you're in trouble. That's how I felt like it was. Like, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he finally says, you are the Lord. You know every man's heart. You know that I love you. And right there, it's so beautiful. If you look where we were at, Peter went from denying Jesus unashamed. He said, I've never heard of him. Kill me if I'm lying. And he was lying. He denied him three times. To here, he says, I love you three times. And you know what? He meant it. He meant it. And you know what he realized in that moment? He, he realized that when you go from following Jesus as a convenience, following him at a distance, to truly following him unashamed, he realized that Jesus goes from being a convenience to being all that we need. He is alone, all-filling, all-satisfying. And it goes even further. So Peter's story doesn't end here. I promise I'm not going to cover his entire life. I'm not a Baptist preacher anymore. So we're going to, I promise we'll get through. But this is just so great. So if you keep following Peter, after he says, I love you the third time, Jesus says, well, then go tend to my sheep. You know what Peter does? He goes out and preaches the gospel. If there was a soapbox in the town, Peter was getting up on it and preaching Jesus crucified, unashamed, to the point to where these same people that arrested Jesus, these high priests, brought him before the Sanhedrin. So it's interesting. So he actually had a fair trial. The Sanhedrin was there. It was during the day. This is how it was supposed to be. And they told Peter, hey, stop preaching about Jesus. Stop preaching that he was crucified. Stop preaching that he was raised from the dead. And Peter's response is uh, quite beautiful. If you want to read this story, it's in Acts chapter 4. But he says, before this council... He said, it is better in our sight to obey God than to obey men. Amazing. He went from somebody who wouldn't even acknowledge that he knew Jesus, let alone followed him, to somebody who said, throw me in jail, throw away the key, beat me, you can even kill me. I will not stop preaching the gospel. And you know how he got there? He went from here to here. He was following Jesus so closely he would have delight to have been a martyr, to be killed for the name of Christ. And so as we look at how does that apply to us, well, we just follow Peter's track record so far. It, following Jesus closely does a couple of things. It, it allows us to love God, to love other people, and then to share our faith, to preach the gospel with others. And not just preach it, but to preach it completely unashamed. Let me pray. Dear Lord, um, wow, there's so much. We didn't even really touch the tip of the iceberg in these passages, but there's just so much application and beauty in your truth and your word, Lord. And I just pray that out of all this, out of your word, out of the message today, Lord, that we would just remember that we need to follow you closely, Lord. It's a daily task to deny ourselves And, Lord, following you at a distance, while it might be comfortable, Lord, we know that it leads down the broad road of destruction. So I just pray for anybody here, Lord, if they've been following Jesus at a distance, that this might be a a launching pad or just light a fire under them, so to speak, to truly follow Jesus closely and live for him unashamed. In Jesus' name, amen. So I didn't mention this when I shaved my head. You know I'm preaching hard. If you can see, like, my bald head glistening, at least I'm uh, trying, right? (laughs) And so um, at this time, I'd like to... um
just do an invitation. If you uh, would like to join First Christian Church of the Beaches or you'd like to profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior during this invitation song, um, I think your uh, bulletin says Pastor Nathan, unless you're going to FaceTime him. He is in the key, so I will be down here. If you'd like to uh, join the church or profess Christ, then uh, you can come on down.